Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. All right. We got some ratings news in. It was a winner. By the way, I need to tell you this first, though. Patrick Mahomes after halftime. Complete, 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 complete with a touchdown. Incomplete the overthrow, or not even the overthrow, but the throwaway. His next pass is the completed touchdown. Complete, complete, complete. And somewhere mixed in, in those last three completions, was one of the five biggest plays of the game, his 26-yard scramble on one leg straight up the middle of the field. The guy guy was incredible. Their game plan was incredible. Their team top to bottom it was just incredible. I mean, the deconstruction of the Super Bowl has been pretty much uh, completed here, with the exception of one topic, which, Ray, we haven't really gotten into. And I want to talk about officiating a little bit here. I know other te- other shows today have built their entire show around the one call, and I think that that is an overkill. But the one call was called incorrectly even though you actually had James Bradbury saying, hey, look, I held in his postgame locker room. I mean, I pulled a jersey, you know, they called holding. I was hoping they would let it rock, you know, but was holding. I, I was hoping he would let it go, but of course, you know, he's a ref. This is a big game, and it was, it was a hold, so they called it. All right. Letter of the law. I was hoping he wouldn't call it, but they called it. Ray, would you like to know why he was hoping the ref wouldn't call that moment? I have a pretty good idea. Because that moment wasn't even looked at in the entire football game leading up to that moment. Leading up to that moment, there had been 63 passes thrown in Super Bowl 57. Not one of them was flagged for pass interference or defensive holding before that play. In other words, the entire tempo of how the game was being officiated had completely been established. And then to throw it, on what I'm telling you, Ray, is the least offensive defensive holding I have ever seen. I'll admit it was there. You're not allowed to make contact at that point. In the most, but the most crucial moment of the game, the tenor, the timber of the game had completely been established. And to walk away from the established feel of the game by the officials and now all of a sudden call something that clearly happened all over the field, both teams, all game long, for that to be the one defensive holding for the entire afternoon on a third, and essentially this is the ball game, stunk. It's maddening that at the most crucial moment of the game, we got a ref show. I don't think you got a ref show, but what I, but it was, it was a touch foul. And I think it was one that you could have, you know, you could have ignored it because you don't know what the impact's going to be. It also looked and not even, uncatchable. The, I mean, the ball itself, Mahomes, that, that looked uncatchable, too. Now, you can say, well, it looked uncatchable because of the interference, but I don't even think it was that dramatic because the, 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 the target still turned up field and had a step or two on his defender. All that's true. But... It doesn't. It enhances Philadelphia's chances of coming back, but that's still going to be a chip shot field goal if that if that's not called. It's going to be a thirty three yarder, and Harrison Butker 
is... Hey, he almost missed a point after touchdown, and he had doinked one from earlier in the day. From 33, I'm banking on him. Like I, I, like I would bank on Brett Maher, except one game a year. Um, I don't know that you can say it changed the game or ruined the game, because the game was too good. Well, what it denied but, us was Jalen Hurts, about 90 seconds left in the game, two touchdowns, good luck. Yeah, I mean, it... It grossly minimized timeouts, Philadelphia. I mean. Yeah, grossly minimized Philadelphia's chances. But I'm not sure at that point that Philadelphia would have been able to move the ball one more time because I think it had been established in the second half that Kansas City was doing all the dictating, both offensively and defensively. So. Yeah, it, it's a it's a it's not a good call, and I don't care that it's in that moment or not because I think it's a touch foul in the third exhibition game, and if you've ha- if you've established that you're going to let the boys play, then you let the boys play there because it's not a good enough grab. Exactly. The it, problem though for the official, and I'm not defending this, is he doesn't know what's going to happen after he sees the grab. And he's not allowed the leeway to say, it's a grab, he got his jersey, but I don't know if the ball is going to be uncatchable or not. If I see the grab, and I think it's significant enough, I have to throw it. I have to decide right there, and I've got to throw it then, because I don't know what's coming after that. And I get why people are upset, because they think you know it turned into a ref show. It's not an easy call to no call. It had been no called though in the sixty three passes before that super what? Be- be- before that pass was thrown in the Super Bowl. I mean, again, the tenor of how this game's being officiated has officially been established. There could absolutely be a, th- a flag thrown on every single play of a game, and the fact that you have kept that flag in your pocket. On every single play of the game up to that point means that some, at, basically at that point in the game, Ray, for a flag to come out, it's like overtime playoff hockey. I'm going to need you to basically double axe handle, try to cut somebody's head off with your hockey stick to get a penalty thrown in this situation. I, I'm, no, I'm not arguing that. I mean, I, I think by rights, it probably should have been a no call, all things considered, but it's hard as an official when you see a guy grab a jersey to go, yeah, you know what? I'm going to let that go even though it might affect the play. And the fact that Bradbury said, yeah, I did it and I thought I'd get away with it also tends to undercut the argument too. But I think what but what I do think you can discern from his soundbite is I hoped it wouldn't get called because it hadn't been called at any point in time up to that game. And look, I'm going to also accuse him of doing something else that was wrong. When you're playing a white jersey, don't wear black gloves. It's that simple. When you're playing a white jersey, don't wear black gloves, especially when you're on the outside. You know, there's enough traffic on the line of scrimmage to where that's where getting away with holding on every play is officially established as a rite of passage because you can mask it and the chaos and confusion of a football play and a lot of bodies and a lot of smashing dudes. That When you're out there, you are on your own. Don't make it easy. But you, Wear but, white gloves. But you can also make that argument for linemen, too. If you don't want to get called for holding, wear, wear the gloves that... Blend into the jersey. Blend into the jersey. And I don't know if there is a rule that makes you have to wear different gloves than the color jersey color of your opponent. I don't think there is. I don't think there is either, but I don't want to say that, you know, well, there it is. That's proof positive. But in but assuming there's not a rule, that's a that's a it's a really good observation. It's if you want to be able to sort of if you need that one play where you need to get a little cheating in. Make yourself undetectable. So no, I I think that's a that's an excellent point. Say that again. No, you got one. If you can't remember it, it's not my fault. One more time, just for Valentine's Day tomorrow. Uh, 
you could take Valentine's Day and cram it with great force. I'm going to bring you some chocolates, I swear to God. Uh, no, you're not. This is RJ in Napa. You're on 95.7 The Game. What's going on, RJ? Radio Legends, I thank you for the platform, as always. Um, you know, I used to think that Dallas Cowboys fans were the most delusional fan base in all the sports. Um, and then I realized something, that they're only delusional about their own team. Um, so in that sense, they're all right with me. Um, the real loser fan base in all the pro sports is the Philadelphia Eagles. And all this whining about this call today and this and that. Uh, spoiler alert, don't cheat if you don't want a flag thrown. Uh, second thing about the Eagles fans, I mean, come on. You know, they're acting like, um, you know, this is the reason they lost the game. How about when uh, we had Josh Johnson as a fourth-string quarterback and Brock Purdy who physically couldn't throw the ball? Uh, it's called karma, guys, and it punched you in the face and you lost the Super Bowl, and guess what? Nobody cares. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Appreciate it, RJ. Look, I know this isn't going to All gonna fans win. are like that. Well, this isn't going to win me a lot of fans out here, but the truth is, i got to tell you, I love Eagles fans. I love Eagles fans. You can decide to be a nice fan base or a nasty fan base. They decided we're going to take nasty fan base to an extreme level that actually kind of works. Like, it, it works for them. It's who they are. They, they decided, we're not playing in the friendly confines of Wrigley Field. We literally want to make you, the other team, everyone, your ancestors, your entire family tree, we want to make everyone uncomfortable. And we will do things, we will say things, we will throw things that are not glorious. But it's who we are. Be who you are. <laughs> that's who the Eagles are. It's who, that's what Philadelphia is. But if you want to talk karma, yeah, how would you like to be uh, the Eagles going all the way to a Super Bowl to not win it, or the Phillies going all the way to the World Series and not winning it, or, and maybe you know the 76ers, they get there this year and they go all the way and they don't win it. Who knows? Maybe that's out there. So uh, I, I actually I love in, I love intense football and, environments and, and truthfully, Philadelphia delivers. Yeah, and truthfully, if that's what your focus is, you're kind of missing the point anyway. I mean, the fans, you don't like the fans? All fans are like that. Kansas City fans are obnoxious. I mean, Rams fans are obnoxious. 49er fans are obnoxious. That's what they, that's what they sign up for. They go, okay, I'm going to spend all this money to go to a game 12 states away and three ti- two time zones away. You're damn right I'm going to whine about it. I mean, you know, look, the number of 49er fans who complained about the outcome two weeks ago. Well, what if our quarterback was had not gotten hurt? Stuff happens. Get over it. You know, so yeah, all fans, you know, can eat it as far as that goes. Period. <laughs> well, happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, the Ray hell to, with everyone. Great to all you fans out there. Uh, the Warriors Community Foundation is excited to announce that this month's February auction presented by Cash Creek Casino is live now through Sunday, February 19th. A wide variety of items are up for auction, including signed jerseys, tickets to games, even a chance to meet some of your favorite athletes in person. Don't miss out on an exciting opportunity to give back and score some amazing sports memorabilia all at the same time. Visit warriors.com slash auctions when we come on back, since that kind of opens up the uh, avenue to talk a little Warriors. We're going to put the Super Bowl down for just a minute and talk some Warriors. Bob Myers talked about the trade that did not, would not, but still has happened. And we're going to get into all of that and a little previewing of what the Warriors got to do tonight against the Wizards who are in town. Damon and Ratto here on 95.7 The Game. We're brought to you by AC Transit. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. So, Warriors Live is coming up in under two hours right here on 95.7 The Game at 6 o'clock. It begins. 95.7 The Game's got you covered. Xfinity. Supercharge your home with supersonic Wi-Fi. Unbeatable internet only from Xfinity. Warriors Live, 6 o'clock with our guy John Dickinson. Getting you ready for a little Warriors and uh, Washington Wizards. Don't call them the bullets. No, sir. They're coming into town tonight. And... Hey, I, I mean, I don't even think I need to set this up or say it's a sneaky big game for the Warriors. I don't think there are any sneaky big games from the Warriors here, Ray. They're they're all sort of on their surface now, big games, because the team is as out of mulligans as humanly possible for an NBA team. And they better get playing above average, which seems kind of impossible to expect when they're missing their best player in Steph Curry. He can't return fast enough. But here's... Here's how average the Warriors have been. And, Ray, look, I was at the game on Saturday night. That was a frustrating game against the Lakers, who did not have LeBron James. He's wearing the green dot. He's wearing a lime green beanie. Like, come on, dude. Do you need to have the attention dot on your head? He did. Um, I'll say this, though. Everyone who wants to talk about how LeBron is you know, not even out there tonight, which means he doesn't care, that dude was as into a basketball game as any fan in the building was. He was all over cheering on the Lakers at every moment that he got. He is invested. But look, Ray, the Warriors, here's all you need to know about how average they are. So they're back to 500. Sign of average right there. 28 and 28 now on the season. They score 118 points per game. Ray, they're allowing 118 points per game. They're 500 in their last 10 games. Their margin of difference is plus 0.1 points. I mean, how much more of a totally level teeter-totter could you possibly be? You are as average as it gets. They were at 1.3 and 7. They won their next game, and since then, they have neither been three games over or three games under 500 at any point. So they have aggressively attacked the mean and made it their own. They are in every way a play-in team. And I think at this point, it's almost a fool's errand to expect them to suddenly fix the things that have been ailing them. Because they've been ailing them all year. 
I mean, the only difference between those two teams last night, other than the fact that each team was missing its best player, was the Warriors committed 21 fouls and the Lakers committed 12. And that's not officiating bias. The home team's the one that committed the more fouls. It's because they don't defend the way they used to as a, as a team. They grab more. They try to they try to obstruct more. They don't they don't use their feet. They used to be a remarkable fundamental team. They are not that anymore. As a result, they are entirely dependent on how well they shoot. And and that's the only thing that could deliver them to a six seed. Steph Curry comes back and he catches a heater where he is. He's, you know, quite literally 50, 40, 90 the rest of the way with that 40 creeping up towards 43, 45, 47, nearly 50%. If Steph Curry comes back and is just fire engine red from downtown the rest of the way, maybe you can be the sixth seed. Otherwise, Ray, I think you're right. I think that they are begging to be considered for the play-in tournament. I, I, yeah, I mean, they're just... And, and if the Lakers don't get LeBron back, they're begging to be the 11th seed and maybe even miss the play-in tournament. Yeah. Well, right now they're 13th. And they've been, they've been out of the play-in level. They've been 11th or below for all but two days all year. So maybe even if LeBron comes back, it won't make any difference. But the, the other... The other thing that strikes me about the Warriors is that they now are heavily dependent on getting breaks from other teams. Like the news about Zion Williamson is going to be out now for multiples of weeks. They don't know how many. That means that New Orleans is probably out now because they are significantly worse without him, obviously, than they are with him. And that's what they have. They have to start looking at every game by every other team in that group of eight. And they have to care about them, even if they're not playing them, because they have to depend on the kindnesses of strangers. They've never had to do that before. They were, they were either too good to have to worry about it or too awful to be saved. But now somebody's got a scoreboard watch every night. Right. And yeah. they have to hope to get breaks that they never had to worry about before. Theoretically, they're in control of their own destiny. But if you've been watching, you know that that's not exactly the truest statement you could utter about this team. Oh, no. Their destiny is entirely tied to a bunch of other teams. If you take February 13th of last year, compare the records, the only team that has had a worse year-over-year difference is Phoenix. And Phoenix has been injury-ravaged for much of the season. The Warriors, I mean, Curry's gone down, but they were this before he went down. They just, they're just profoundly, and they're not even ordinary. They're just, you can't trust them. They're utterly untrustworthy when it comes to what you're going to get on one night or another. That's why tonight at home against a team like Washington, it could win by 32 or lose by 12. They should completely choose to win. Uh, yeah, how about by one? I don't even care. There are, the, the time for style points is long gone. This team needs wins. They're desperate to stack as many wins at home as they can the rest of the way. Uh, we've been tracking the final 35 games of the year for the Warriors. This started with the win over Memphis the same week where they beat the Raptors at Chase Center. They got off to a nice start, but unfortunately have regressed to the mean a little bit where they're now 5-4 and four in those nine games since we've been tracking their final 35 games remaining in the season. They're now 4-1 and one at home. We predicted they had to be at least 14-4 and four at home. And in 17 road games, they have now fallen to 1-3, and three, and they've got a back-to-back starting tonight against Washington. Tomorrow they close out the first half against the Clippers. That feels like, on its surface, 
that's just a loss waiting for them in L.A. unless they can prove otherwise. But again, can you trust them to go down and beat the Clippers? No. <laughs> you, but you, can you trust them not to beat the Clippers? I mean, just, no, it's Because the Clippers are exactly the same team. Kind of. You know, yeah. you were talking about that point differential. The Clippers are 110 for and 110 against. They are quite literally a game and a half better than the Warriors. I mean, they're the same team. And that's 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 the whole takeaway from all of this. The same team that will probably have more healthy, better players on the court tomorrow night, not on a back-to-back. Are the Clippers playing tonight? They are not. So there you go. Advantage Clipper. You right would there. think. But I guess my point is, with all these teams, there is no advantage. They are I mean, literally your team. You're taking your chances every time any of these teams play. It just you have no idea what they're going to do or how they're going to do it. I mean, the Clippers are 31 and 28, and they're another team that's never had a long, extended, awful stretch or a long and extended, excellent stretch. They're just another run-of-the-mill team, like the Warriors, like the Pelicans, like the Timberwolves, like the Thunder, like the Jazz, like the Blazers, like. The entire Western Conference, for the most part. Yeah, you you lop off Denver and Memphis and Sacramento, and you lop off San Antonio and like Houston. The, like the freaking beam. It was a big win for them the other night. Hell yeah, it was. Donald Sterling was asked about it. Here's what he had to say. I mean, come on. Pretty definitive. Uh, that was unnecessary. I just, you know, hey, we had a little clippers there. I found the button. I had to push it before it was all said and done. Ray, I mean, you I, know what you would do though? You you get a huge reprieve. For, I'm talking like for months now from your least favorite soundbite in the history of the show. Don't do this. I'm not the season's gonna, over. I'm not going to do it to you. I'm not going to waste a maximum football when we're nowhere even close to being anywhere near. As a matter of fact, we could not be further away from maximum football than we are today. We are as far away from the next football season as humanly possible. I already miss it. That's why I always get a little depressed at halftime. And Ray didn't watch halftime, but I did. So we'll be oh. reviewing halftime yeah, before you'll be reviewing. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be I reviewing. Don't, I'm not going to lie. I haven't seen a moment of a halftime since up with people. No, <laughs> the only two I can remember where I wasn't at the stadium and like imprisoned was Prince. And Beyonce. Well, and you were at the stadium and in prison for Beyonce. Well, she did a second one where that. Oh, you mean Levi Stadium? Yes. Yeah. No, I'm talking about in Super when in New Orleans. We were both there. When yeah. when when the when when Beyonce rocked so hard she shut down the power in the second half. Yeah. Oh no, that was Chad York. I know it was. No, it was definitely that was definitely. I mean, it was the la- I mean, the, I stopped even wanting to know anything about it. When Diana Ross came down from a helicopter, and I just said, why is this happening? And arguing with myself about whether I wanted the helicopter to land safely or not. <laughs> Come on, man. That's Diana Ross. You know what? You know Protect what? Diana Ross at all costs. At that costs. point, she was way past her prime, and she's coming in on a helicopter. I mean, that's when I decided that all Super Bowl shows are just, no, thank you. If, if people like those, knock yourselves out. And it sounds like Rihanna was perfectly fine. You couldn't get me to watch it at gunpoint. I mean, Diana Ross, come, did she did she do Inside Out? That super Inside Out. Boy, you turn me. Come on, right? Upside down. In and out. Stop it. Diana Ross. Yeah. Show some respect. Uh, I, she got all the respect she was getting from me. Music stinks. No. Music is a gift. Enjoy it. Uh, Bob Myers. No smooth transition from Diana Ross is a gift to what the hell happened to the Warriors on Friday. The only thing that was good about what happened to the Warriors on Friday is that it happened at about 4.30, right? Well, right about now. During our show. I was about to transition into all sorts of like Super Bowl prop bets and previews and things that I know Ray loves because he loves being a degenerate gambler. We had a ton to talk about that we never even got to 
because right about this time on Friday last week is when we got the news that the trade with the Portland Trailblazers had a possibility to be rescinded because Gary Payton II had not passed his physical with the Warriors, and that was holding up the deal. There were some birdies tweeting that that could be sort of a reality before our show started, and then it became a reality, again, right in the middle of the damn show. The Warriors handled it about as professionally as humanly possible to the point where they formally said nothing about it. And they ducked under the, well, we can't talk about it because the trade's not complete. But there was a reason to. Because, number one, if they had talked about it, you would have been all excited for something that, one, was not complete. And number two, they're furious with the Portland Trailblazers. Absolutely furious with the way that this whole thing went down. And there's no recourse to do the single most important thing that the deal was supposed to do at the trade deadline. Did they trade James Wiseman essentially for Gary Payton Jr., uh, the second, excuse me, for just the remainder of this year? The answer to that question is, a, is an emphatic no. He is part of the, rest, the remainder of this year, but then the two years after are what the Warriors, I think, were interested in as well. That's not going to help the Warriors... Certainly didn't against the Lakers. It's not going to help them tonight. It's not going to help them tomorrow night. And the Warriors need help right now. The Warriors probably beat the Lakers had Gary Payton been able to report for duty. But he was unable to. Bob Myers today finally got to talk about what the hell happened. But he started, of course, with the decision to trade James Wiseman, which was the first domino to put the rest of the courses of events that led them to Gary Payton II in in moving order. Here's Bob Myers today, starting with James Wiseman. I think we debated it pretty heavily, mostly because we still, I still believe he can be a good player. Um, it may just be that his path required more minutes than we were able to give him. It may be that his time is longer than we can wait, but it's not an indictment of him. There's plenty of players that take a certain amount of minutes or a certain amount of time, and especially with missing a year, he's really, there's a lot of things that he missed, not his fault, whether it's COVID or injury. He is a third-year player, but he hasn't got the minutes of that, so I think we had to evaluate. He's going to get those here, and um, didn't didn't seem like that and then with the cost and where our team was at but yeah certainly there's a lot of debate there's always a lot of debate which is healthy i don't think that's unhealthy and sometimes situations you have to be realistic realistic about them no matter what you want you have to look at what it is but the hardest part for me personally was who he is and i know that's not important maybe to a lot of fans and i understand that and it's a result business but the person that he is i would bet on the person just a high high quality individual and and uh, those people usually succeed in life and I, I think he will so that was a tough one they really like james wiseman the guy james wiseman the player was not a fit they couldn't force him to be a fit and one of the reasons why they couldn't force him to be a fit, and this is something that we talked about on Friday, Ray, is that there were no minutes for him because he couldn't play with Curry and he couldn't play without Curry. So what's that leave you? That leaves you with a coaching DNP. That's what that leaves you with. Because Curry's minutes are so precious and so valuable, you can't do anything to, to, to mute them, to take away their impact. And unfortunately, the proof was just in every single advanced statistic, every single analytic, every way to construct an equation of what works and what doesn't work on a basketball court never had James Wiseman working out in the Warriors' favor. They were awful when he was on the court. He made a bad second unit even worse. He made a great first unit not as great as it needed to be. And when you're, that's who you are, there's nowhere to put you. You cannot be hidden when you can't be played. Now, if you want to get into criticizing, well, why couldn't they coach him up to do the things that he needed to do and all that? I don't know. And it is a little disappointing that they weren't able to do that. But they had to give up the experiment because they couldn't even afford to run further experiments. Yeah, it's, yeah and it's not that he couldn't, you know, excel with curry on the floor he couldn't excel with anybody on the floor that's the point his numbers were uniformly you know he took the team's numbers down just because he couldn't get what they wanted him to do and sometimes you can coach a guy up and it just doesn't take because 
the guy's a dope. And sometimes you can't coach him up because this is just a bad fit. And the truth is, James Weissman's gifts are such that he had to hit the ground running on a team that could afford to let him make mistakes. The Warriors are not that team. They were that team two years ago when he got his 39-game run. But, yeah, he got COVID. Yeah, he got hurt his knee. Yeah, he missed the whole year. But when you get picked by a good team up high, you have to be able to hit the ground running and catch up with the guys who are already there, which is why you rarely see a really good team picking second in the draft. They're usually picking 23rd or 24th, and they can bring guys along slowly, which is what James Weissman needed. And they, the Warriors were not in a position to say, well, we'll let you learn. He had to learn the hardest way possible, which is in the G League and on the practice floor. And when you combine that, combine that with the 124 games he missed due to injury in two two plus years, um, you get a guy who never really got a chance to get his warm ups off. In all honesty, played 60, missed 150. It stinks again. The, the timing never worked out for Wiseman. The health that he needed to have in moments where he could have demonstrated a level of improvement, they just never materialized. It, it's all too bad. It really is. And again, Bob Myers on the tough decision they made on Wiseman. Tough move to make as far as trading him. One of the reasons we drafted him is because of who he is. He is a great kid and did everything we asked him to do on time, worked hard, great attitude, whether he was playing or not, G League and back and forth. And so it was a tough thing to do to move someone that um, we liked that much as a person. I know that's a business goes beyond that uh, as far as on the court, off the court stuff. So that was um, that was a challenge, but I hope he does well. I hope he gets an opportunity to play. And I think he will more than he was getting with us. So moving him was um, something that uh, we did just more based on trying to help this team win one of the ultimate they hoped opposites would attract and it just didn't work out. You could not have invented a more we got a system that works for us. We've got veterans who understand who we are right down to their own bone marrow and we're as experienced a core as the NBA can possibly produce and play together for as long as Curry, Clay, and Dre have played together. And they tried to marry that with one of the single rawest top of the draft prospects in NBA history. Everyone had good intentions, but it just did not work out. So they wanted to bring in a player that they knew absolutely would work out with them. They had played with Gary Payton the second. They had a tremendous amount of success with Gary Payton the second. And when it comes to the second, that two now represents the amount of months it'll take before he's even reevaluated. Gary's going to be out. We're, we're going to evaluate him in a month and um, see where he's at. It is our determination he's not ready to play right now. But when we get him back, hopefully we do get him back at some point. The goal would be pre-playoffs. That would be the hope. But uh, until we get a sense of how the rehab process is going, I, I can't really speculate. It's not two months? Because I figure if he's getting reevaluated in a, in a month... He'll need at least two more weeks after that before really looking at a clearance when the original diagnosis, prognosis, whatever the right word is there, was he's going to be out three months. Maybe you would see him in May if you were lucky to be playing that deep into the postseason. I mean, it just, it sucks. It really, really sucks that this is the hand that they were dealt. And Bob was asked if they ever really considered seriously scuttling this deal over the failed physical. We looked at all the different choices um, once we had a little bit more information and gone through our physical and based upon um, many different things decided to go through with it and you know we think that 
for many reasons, James, we didn't see a path even upon return. Wasn't playing at the time. And um, additionally, our situation's a little different because of the amount of uh, money each player costs. And so if we had seen a path for James upon return that had changed, we might have considered that even going forward as we get into next season. We've seen what Gary can do. And it's not in any kind of indictment of James. It's, it's a hard rotation to crack on this team. And so Gary, seeing the fit, seeing the need, our defense and things like that. So we certainly had many discussions, but we made the choice we made. We'll hear more from Bob when we come on back here. We got open lines the rest of the way this afternoon. Tim Kawakami wrote some pretty interesting things about what Gary Payton was supposed to do. Will he have the chance to do that? And a little bit more Super Bowl deconstruction before it's all said and done. And what is nothing short of our longest commercial-free segment of the entire gosh darn show. That's what's coming up next here on 95.7 The Game. It's Damon and Ratto brought to you by Fremont Bank. Full-service banking. No compromises. Back to Damon and Ratto on 95.7 The Game. All right, here we go. If you're wrapping up your Monday back from the Super Bowl, you probably thought it worked today. What we all know, the Monday after the Super Bowl should be the day that we represent on the calendar for the holiday that is Labor Day. No one needs Labor Day at the end of the summer. You just had summer. You don't need a respite from your labor to wrap up summer. Summer in many ways, is a little bit of a respite from your labor. One day that you always kind of need off is that Monday after the Super Bowl. Ray, when elected, my first first duty as King of the United States will be to get a lawyer to avoid impeachment. My second plan will be to then make sure that the Monday after the Super Bowl is a day off for every hardworking American and even the slackers. No one should have to work the Monday after the Super Bowl. Unless you do what we do, in which case, it's actually fun to come in after the Super Bowl because there's so much to talk about. Last night's game gave us a ton to talk about. We'll get back into it when we get to 5 o'clock. But we were just sort of marinating in all the things that the Warriors went through this weekend, what they got in front of them tonight and tomorrow as they look to close out their first half. And uh, Bob Myers spoke today about the trade that almost did didn't happen with Gary Payton II. Again, they are going to ask the NBA to step in here. And if there's anything wrong, go ahead and discipline Portland accordingly. But what good will that do the Warriors right here, right now? How will that help them win a singular basketball game this year? It won't. And that's what sucks about it. No matter what the NBA cooks up, to be the discipline rendered or not served to Portland. It doesn't help the problem. Uh, No, and John Hollinger at The Athletic, who used to work in the Memphis front office, uh, pointed out that the Warriors do not actually have an ironclad argument here for increased compensation, and I'll just read from it. The core issue here no pun intended, is the NBA's requirement on medical disclosures in trades and whether Portland followed the rules. In trades, teams are required to disclose any injuries a player may have or had, but they are not technically required to disclose how those injuries have been treated. As a result, he says he's not sure any complaints about Toradol pills will get much traction. So they're apparently, at the time of the trade, teams are allowed access to the other team's electronic medical records. If the Blazers fail to note a, legitimately, a legitimate injury there, that would be a more glaring issue, but that doesn't seem to be what happened here. So the Warriors may not get any relief on this. They might just get hosed and hosed. One of the things that Bob was asked about today, if you knew now, if you knew then, on Friday, Thursday, I guess, at the deadline, what you know about Gary Payton the second. Would you still do the deal? Well, I won't know because this had momentum to it. There was conversations around this one. And maybe maybe if that time had been used in some other capacity. But we looked at a lot of different things. There wasn't one thing that we all walked out of the deadline saying, well, we could have done that or we should have done that. We looked at a lot of different things, but I can't say if we hadn't done this, we definitely would have done that. But maybe with mental space around it differently, it would have it would have been different. But there isn't something that um, I think there were some things reported and we looked at a lot of different things, but nothing was at the five yard line. 
And look, the reason why you do the trade is because they finally looked around and they said, we got a problem. And this isn't a problem that we can just solve with the guys that we got in the room. We need to bring in to this room someone who understands the room, which is why Gary Payton II, even with a question on his current physical status, is still a direction they might have considered. Because he understands the Warriors. He's had success here. As Tim Kawakami wrote out um, in The Athletic, he basically said, look, GP has battled and won with Curry, Draymond, Clay Thompson, and Kevon Looney. He can help plug the Warriors' gaping hole in their perimeter defense. More importantly, GP2 just knows how to play Warriors basketball, how to move without the ball, how to lock down his guy on defense, how to rotate within the defensive scheme, how to meld with Curry, Draymond, and into the Kerr system. Here's Bob again today. It's hard to reconfigure your team on the fly. There's only 20-something games left. I think 26 for us, maybe 28. That's that's not a lot of the season, whether it's us or any team. But when you trade for a player that's been here, especially our system, our system is not simple. So to get somebody that knows our system, and that's the hope when Gary comes back, whenever that is, that he can, there's a familiarity. A lot of the same players he played with last year. We play him a little differently. We did play him a little differently than other teams. I think that's why he did so well with us. Our system is a little unique. And so, yeah, part of the reason we did it was that familiarity. We've seen how much he helps us. Again, he comes in and he knows. We're not hoping he'll figure it out. He knows. This, by the way, Ray, is why I'm not worried about the Kyrie now with Luka Dallas Mavericks, nor am I really worried about the Phoenix Suns. I think the Phoenix Suns gutted their defensive concepts, an awful lot of their depth, And the sprint that they are going to have together with Durant, Booker, and CP3, it's just, it's not enough time. Next year's the year that I'm officially worried about the Phoenix Suns. I don't think I'm worried about them this year. Um, I think they should be worried about now because I don't know that you can look at Denver anymore and say, they're the only team I can foresee in 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 the finals. I think Phoenix could go on a heater because once Durant comes back, he's capable of providing that heat. So I think you're I think right Denver about Denver beats them with a system though. The system that gets held against Denver, I actually think makes their argument for them in a matchup with Phoenix. Maybe, but I think Denver's clear superiority is based on the on one guy. Whereas Phoenix would come in with a multitude of weapons. And I think we saw yesterday that the team with the multitude of weapons is the one that ended up winning more than the team with the one dominant player. And that dominant player was Jalen Hurts. I don't want to mix metaphors here, but what I'm trying to say is I think the Suns are a very live player now. Whereas Whereas I agree with you about Dallas. And I agree with you about everybody else. I don't believe in the Clippers. I don't believe in New Orleans anymore, for sure. I don't believe in the Warriors, to be honest with you. I don't think that what ails them is going to get fixed even when Curry comes back. I think what Curry will give you is, well, we can win 131-124. I don't know that that's sustainable in the postseason. And that's why I have significant doubts about what the Warriors can do in the postseason if they get there. Look, they've either been giving us the okie doke throughout the entire year or your concerns are well founded. Oh, I think they I think they've been okie doking furiously because they don't want to put out the the idea to the fan base or to the to the locker room in general that they don't do things well enough. The problem is everybody's eyes tell us they don't do things well enough. What the Warriors have not been able to provide is proof other than we're getting back Curry that they're going to fix that because what ailed them ails them now is what ailed them when Curry was healthy. And they have no really more levers of consequence to pull. You know, maybe they hit the lottery in the buyout market. And that's the last bit of sound from Bob that I want to play for you today. He talked about what the Warriors' options on the buyout market might possibly be. 
you know, we hope that we have enough, but we'll look and see. It's it's also determinative of how the coaches will use that player. For for us to say, here's a big guy, and the coaching staff to say, well, we're not playing that guy. doesn't matter if he's seven feet tall or eight feet tall. Any buyout conversation has to be done uh, in collaboration with the coaching staff because why bring a player in if they're not going to use him? But if there's a player that the coaching staff and the front office thinks can be helpful, absolutely, we'll go target that guy. But um, there's a good John Wooden coach. Don't, don't confuse activity for a achievement and i just want to say oh we scoured the buyout market here's so and so and the guy's sitting on the end of the bench because for us it's three four million i don't know it's three million dollars or something like that which which joe has done and would do but that's the conversation with the coaching staff as far as who would play and who's available so again the two big questions are can he still actually do it and then if you answer that yes he can then the question becomes does the player fit who we are these are two big hurdles for anyone conceivably on the buyout market to clear who just is a plug-and-play bought-out player who you'd think could show up and really contribute i i i just don't have that player's name up my sleeve if this was a plug-and-play situation you keep weisman because you could just plug him in but it's not a plug-and-play and also i think the fit comes before the money because they are at a they are at a place tax wise that they found it a reasonable solution to get rid of a guy they picked second in the draft two years ago because the tax advantages were too good not to because that's a factor here too. So I don't I don't I think it's a long way of saying I think the Warriors are going to play with the hand they've got now because I don't think they can improve their hand. Yeah, I think, they'll get a bump with Curry, but I think that's it. I think your team is on the floor. I do. That's the the team that you're looking at. The team that just lost to the Lakers gets to add Steph Curry, and that's the team. And maybe Gary Payton the second is there a month and a half from now. That's the team. And so, I'll tell you, neither one of us would ever do very well in the prediction business, but we did get this right. We both said on Friday, almost in real time, that as tempting as it might be to rescind this trade, they weren't going to do it. They didn't have a choice. I mean, the fact is, I think they spent most of their time trying to figure out if they could make Portland pay something in addition to Peyton. And if Hollinger's right... That sounds like that's going to be a long, drawn-out process, which doesn't help them in the immediate future anyway. So, yeah, the, no, the Warriors are going to have to play with the cards that are in their hand now. And it, would, it simply will be up to them and all their merry playmates in the middle of the Western Conference because they are now part of a much greater whole. And when one team loses, like Minnesota loses, that's a break for them. Minnesota loses a game to Phoenix, it's not a break for them. So they're going to have to play that game now mentally. For all of our best content, wherever that may be, you can find it over on YouTube. Search 95.7 The Game, click subscribe, and boom. The majesty that is this train wreck can be found right there. Uh, is, is Damon wearing the same t-shirt again? Is Ray looking particularly dapper today? These questions can all be answered on the YouTube page. So indulge and enjoy and welcome to your five o'clock hour. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.